Hey, massage therapists. It's Allie today. We are without Becca today, but we do have a very special guest, Christine Walsh. Christine Walsh is a money mindset coach, and she is also one of the guest presenters in my course, Massage in the Real World. And she is just a really incredible, dynamic person, and I'm so excited to have her on the show today. But I did want to start the show with just a little caveat. So Christine primarily coaches women. So throughout the course of this episode, she is going to be referring to the people that she's talking to as women. So she's she's primarily talking to women. Now, I hope that isn't too off-putting to you men out there, but just know that that is primarily her audience. And because much of my audience is females, because so many massage therapists are females, I thought it was really appropriate to have her and her amazing content on here. But if you're a man and you're listening, don't worry, the same message applies to you. She just typically is referring to women when she speaks. Anyways, hope you enjoy the episode and can't wait to hear what you think. Hey, Becca, you want to start a podcast? Mm-hmm. Align with the Massage Business Mama is the product of two massage school besties deciding to take a leap and try something new. It's morphed, it's shifted, it's grown. But at the core, it's Allie, a massage business coach, and her occasional sidekick, Becca, two therapists committed to elevating the field. Hello, therapists. Today we are joined by Christine Walsh of Christine Walsh Coaching. And Christine is a money coach. And I think so often as massage therapists, we kind of have this little bit of a love-hate relationship with money. So I thought it would be really interesting to bring Christine on to hear a little about her philosophy and her upcoming book, which is super exciting. Um, so Christine, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's an important conversation in, in any industry, not just the massage industry, but I appreciate you having me here. Yeah. And I see specifically in our industry, I just see kind of the starving healer syndrome that often takes place with a lot of us. So that's, that's part of the reason that I just appreciate so much what you're doing because that doesn't serve any of us. So, um, so before we get too, too dialed into what we're talking about today, could you maybe just give a little introduction about who you are, who you serve and just all, all that encompasses your coaching business? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Christine Walsh and uh, I serve women entrepreneurs uh, who are building six and seven figure businesses and want to increase and improve, well, increase their revenue, increase their profitability, but also improve their relationship with money as a whole so that money and the business and all of that becomes a more fulfilling, joyous endeavor. And it's not just making money to make money. It's actually making money that serves the business owner, the clients or consumers, as well as the bigger global collective. So it's really this win-win-win generative effect. And what I noticed and why I started the business was, well, we'll probably get into a little bit about my own story, but was seeing women being amazing at what they do, but not charging what they want to be or should be, or even know how to charge so that they're making a business that is thriving and then supports them and supports their family. So, and I started to dig into just why women aren't 
making the money that they want. And that's, of course, a broad brush, but at the same time, just understanding what is it about us as a uh, gender, if you will, that holds us back from asking for what we want when it comes to money. Yeah, because it seems like, you know, this is a little stereotypical, but men don't have quite the same issues with charging their worth. Yes, yes. And I've coached men, women, couples, partners. I've kind of done the whole thing. And men just come to it with a different perspective. And I think the main reason why that is, is men have been dealing with money much longer than we have as women. Women have only been in the uh, workplace perhaps since World War II, kind of as they went into the workplaces, men were on the front lines. So it's only been 60 years, 70 years of, of women as a whole being in the workplace and earning money and more so obviously over the past 40 years, maybe even 30 years. Um, and of course, more and more now, I mean, with the pandemic, uh, women are turning to starting their own businesses because of the ability to grow wealth and to create a legacy that they might not be able to in, in a W-2 job. So I am definitely a cheerleader of entrepreneurs and women becoming entrepreneurs as a vehicle to increasing their wealth and supporting themselves in more ways than they could as an employee. And I'm not, this is any in not supporting people as employees. I think there's a, a, a place for that. However, I think women in business are going to be doing amazing things. And I would imagine in your community, like you see that, you know, you see women. I mean, that's what we are. We're we're all entrepreneurs here in this community. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like how to, how to look at the massage business and the industry there in a different way that elevates everyone. And so as women, I feel like we're just the type of nurturers that all boats rise with the tide. And women, we can support each other in, elevating our money mindset just by talking about it just like having this kind of conversation we we all rise we all do better so can we talk a little bit about money mindset i know one of the things that you've taught about in the past that i really appreciate is you've talked a lot about cash flow as opposed to maybe budgeting or yeah. Budgeting's like the bad word. <laughs> yeah. And I just I, I think that that's really kind of a, a different approach. And I and I love that um verbiage around it. And and I'd love to hear more about how you came up with that and why yeah. you think it's important. Yeah. Well, mindset is our thoughts and feelings about money. And so much of it comes from when we grew where we grew up, how we grew up, uh grow between the ages of zero and seven. We're like a little sponge absorbing what we see and hear through our family and caregivers, et cetera. And then after seven or so, we start to be able, we create our conscious mind, which actually allows us to make our own decisions. So in that zero to seven age, we're we're taking in the stories and the narratives of the people who are taking care of us. And it just seems to carry on as we go through to our older, like decades later, we're running our businesses and we're like, well, why is this holding me back? And with regards to just our mindset, it's like how we show up to money, how we show in this case, how we show up to money, how we understand the feelings and the thoughts behind the actions that we're taking with money. And one of the actions I, um, so many people come to me with are like, Christine, help me with my budget. I got to deal with my budget and my budget. And no. 
And a budget is great um, for many. And I, I feel like language is really important around money. Budget can feel constricting. And that's why I choose to use cash flow, which actually allows us to see where we want to put our money. And money loves to be told what to do. It's like your favorite dog or pupster, you know, like they, they need that container. Money loves to feel like, all right, do this, do this. Let me put you there. And that's essentially what a budget is too. It tells the money what to do. But with cash flow, it allows um, some movement and flexibility. And I, I do that for my clients is create a cash flow map for them so that they can see not only what's happened in the past and understand the story behind the numbers, but also take the numbers and move them, project them out forward. So obviously as business owners, we want to know that because A, it helps with our peace of mind. I think one of the biggest fears and anxieties that come up with around money is like, what if, like, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And how am I going to deal with that? It's all like future oriented and future pacing. It's pulling it back and kind of mapping it out. So you do do have, not to say a crystal ball, but kind of close to one, almost close, you know. But our language around money is really important. And if there's anything in the conversation here and opening it up to the business owners that are listening, how do we start to engage with this topic in a way that's actually supportive. And I, you've heard me say this, Ali, look, money is, we're in relationship with it, just like we're in relationship with a lot of things. And if we're in relationship with this and we want to either make more of it or we want to improve it, we start to have, we want to have a dialogue with it. We want to understand it. We want to, you know, my, my famous question is if you were in a relationship with this thing called money, if money was a person in your relationship with this in a close way, how might you describe that relationship. So Christine, this brings up something for me that I I think, you know, pulls in some stuff that you offer and you have a a quiz that gives money archetypes. Yes. Yes. And so I just, right before um, coming on this call with you, I took the quiz for the second time. Uh I I was kind of curious, you know, like has my money relationship changed much since the first time I took the quiz and I ended up coming out with the same results. So both times I came out as a hoarder. Uh-huh. And so as you give that visual, I like picture this boa constrictor, like constricting around money. <laughs> like yeah. what a terrible visual. You're like, I really want to hold on to you. Yeah. 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 Keep you close, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, the money archetype is really, I'm a, Big fan of quizzes. I, I take every quiz that comes into my inbox. If you ever want a questionnaire filled out, email me and I will <laughs> fill it out. I love questionnaires. It just allows us to understand ourselves more. And with the money archetype quiz, there are six archetypes of how we show up to money, the archetype that we show up. And I think you'll put it in the show notes. I believe the link if people sure. want to yep, take it for themselves. Sure. And Each one has an advantage and a disadvantage. So even with something like where the hoarder, I don't know what your your thought process is around it, but it is, it's like the holding on to money, which actually can be a good thing. Like it's a good thing to be, have it like a savings account and to be monitoring money and keeping track of it. And, and it's when it's like over doing it is when we fall into the trap of, it's kind of squeezing it. It's like squeezing sand so hard that it's actually just falling out of our hands in a yeah, way we can't yeah. actually hold on to it. Well, and like, you know, if we, if we think about money as being a relationship, like that's not a great way to have a relationship. No. With. Yeah. So you think of, right. You're in partnership with this entity called money 
and just imagine it being a person and you're, you know, I just think of like dating or something and you're like, I really like this person. I really like this person. Let me call them all the time. Let me like, I want to be with them all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, when I am with them, I'm squeezing them all the time. I'm hanging and I'm like, yeah. You know, what would that person They would do? probably run. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's in the awareness. And that's what the archetype quiz does is it allows us to be in the awareness of our relationship. And it's no, you know, scientific based thing. It's just really what I've seen in my years of studying people and money that I see these archetypes emerge. And I do want to impart to everyone, we are everything. We have everything available to us at any time. We're the hoarder and we're also the the spender, you know, we're the visionary and we're also the avoider of money. You know, we're everything and we do have a dominant archetype that we allow, we get to see ourselves in and make another decision from. And I think that's the powerful part. I often say to my clients, choice, and that's what money gives us is choice. Having more money allow, you know, many people will say freedom gives us more choice and our superpower is choice. So when we get to choose and to have a different type of relationship with money, we put ourselves in the driver's seat, no matter if we have five bucks in the bank account or 5 million, like we, when we have choice around how we show up to our relationship with money, it puts a lot of powerful and potent energy within us as women. And I think women with the way that we spend money in terms of like aligned with our values. I see that often many, many women, regardless if they're looking at their money relationship, spend within based on their values. Maybe it's about their family. Maybe it's about what, where their money's going out in the marketplace for perhaps um, food that's more organic. I don't know if that's the right word, but just more nutritionally valuable than say going to McDonald's. I don't, you know, I know we all have our things, but for me, I mean, the environment's really important to me. So I know as money comes into me, putting those dollars towards things that align with my values is super, super powerful. And women invest that way. I see that in statistics in, in the stock market and stuff like that. Women tend to invest more aligned with their values, which I don't know about you, but I think that's an important thing these days, especially given our political and um societal uh, environment that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Having our voices be heard in whatever whatever way possible. And really, I mean, if we think about our monies as being our voices, like Uh, that's, that's one of the most powerful voices that we have, right? You gave me the chills. You just gave me the chills. I love that. (laughs) I love that. And so, and that's the reframe kind of conversation that can happen when we start talking about money, because when we start looking at it through the lens of something like that, our money can become our voice out in the world to change things. We drop all the crap that kind of we grew up with. Like the worth around having money. and Exactly. It's like, no, I actually do want more money because I know I'll do something with it uh, that shifts things. And I often say money's not just for getting more things. It's for changing things. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Can you tell us how you got into this line of work? Yeah. I was pushed to go to business school. (laughs) 
by my parents. My I grew up in New York City, so every once in a while, you'll definitely hear a little New York accent going in there. I've lived out in Colorado for 17 years, but still haven't lost some of that accent. Um, So I grew up in New York City, and my dad was a firefighter, and my mom was a secretary, and they always wanted better for my brother and I. So they suggested go to business school, get a financial degree, work down on Wall Street, and you make all the money you want. I remember at one point, I remember I love clothes and stuff like that, and my mom I was maybe about 17 thinking about where to go to college and start that whole piece of my life. And uh, I go, ma, I think I want to go to fashion Institute of design. And she was like, I don't know about that. She's like, I think business school is better for you. You can make all the money you want there and then buy all the clothes you want. (laughs) And I was like, dream crusher number one, (laughs) you know? So I ended up going to business school, got my financial degree, got an accounting degree and worked down on Wall Street for about 10 years on institutional side of investment banking. So not the consumer side, trading, studying portfolios. So always in the financial world and having that background and then moving out here to Colorado and moving to um, a small town where, you know, high finance isn't such a big thing. I started working in small businesses, doing accounting, doing financial control or work. And as I was doing that, I'd see people running the numbers, but not feeling super empowered by them. Like always feeling like they were chasing, they weren't making enough, they couldn't pay themselves, you know. And I, at the same time, was running through my own sort of perfect storm trifecta of my own financial debacle. I mean, being away from the structured here's money to put into your 401k. Here's your health insurance. We're living in a small town. I was working freelance. You know, I didn't have access to all of the things that I normally would. Well, it wasn't predictable either. Exactly. And it wasn't predictable. Absolutely. So found myself around in the 08, 09 crisis of the housing crisis that we had. We lagged a little bit here in our neck of the woods uh, with that. So around 09, 010, I lost my job as financial controller for a couple of businesses and was on unemployment. And I had an investment property that I lost to foreclosure. So here I am supposed to be the money expert dealing with everyone else's finances and mine are falling apart. What a humbling experience. A hundred percent. Like I couldn't tell anyone, Allie, like I was so embarrassed and ashamed to tell it. I didn't know even who to tell if I wanted to, but that did not even cross my mind. It was like, this is, I got to hide this can't tell anyone. I mean, even when the foreclosure happened, the eviction notice went on the door, obviously I quickly ripped that off, but I think I told (laughs) friends because this was happening a lot, that it was a short sale. Like you didn't want to say foreclosure, even losing my job was like, Oh, I'm taking a break. Meanwhile, I was, yeah. This is making me tear up. Like thinking about you back in 2010, like this is, I know it was sad. And people were People could see, you know, when your your person, your friend is kind of having a rough time, but trying to keep up their best effort. So a friend of mine was saying, Christine, you know, you're, you're flipping out a little bit. Like what's going on? And I was like, I just, I don't know. And my friend's like, look, go see a financial advisor downtown and talk to them about, I don't know what I was going to talk to them about, but she was like, you got to talk to someone like, and she wasn't ready to kind of go through what was happening for me because I was also on defense mode a little bit, but she was like, you got to talk to someone. So, you know, someone was like, 
go to Wells Fargo and talk to the banker and go talk to an accountant or go. And so I ended up going to this financial advisor and I remember walking up the stairs to the office and like shaking and knowing like, I didn't know what I was going to say and what, how he was going to help me. And I remember him looking at me after I shared what was going on and he just did not know what to do with me, him, you know, his own emotional intelligence and wherewithal. I mean, he, it wasn't his job to, I started breaking down. I was right. crying. <laughs> Oh, honey. <laughs> so he, I always joke around that he kind of pushed across the table, like, how about life insurance? <laughs> I left there and got down into my car. And I just remember like grabbing onto the steering wheel and being like, all right, Christine, like something's got to give, you got to do something. And realize what was going on was not me not knowing the book smarts around money or finances. It was what was going on up in my head, which is what we refer to as the mindset, really that emotional awareness and ability to navigate difficult feelings around a tough subject, which at the time it was money. So as I started to dive in to how do I unwind this, uh, really started studying the psychology of money, our stories around money, again, how we grow up, what stories we've inherited. And it became really prevalent as I got back into working for small businesses and they're doing their accounting and helping them with strategy and growing their business that that whole thing about, Oh God, I can't make the paycheck. I can't, I don't know how to, you know, I started understanding a little bit of how to support people with the emotional aspect of money, which in my world, I believe is 80% of the, the game. Yeah. And strategy, it could even be 90, but we'll go with 80, a little Pareto's law. 80% of success with money, finance, business is what's going on up in our heads. Yeah. And sort and of. I mean, that it's funny because that hits me as like, well, it, it, I, I mean, I, I grew up with this mentality of like, we work hard, work hard. And yeah. so it like takes, it takes a, away kind of some of that doing and allows that flow where it just, it exactly. You get to really understand yourself better. And when you understand yourself better, trust emerges, confidence emerges, self-esteem emerges, worthiness rises, all those things that don't necessarily happen when you're just out working on strategy. And it's the first thing that we go to, just as I shared in the beginning, Christine, I need help with my money. Can you help me with a budget? Yeah. And it's almost similar to, wanting to become more fit or more healthy of saying here, just go on a diet. And we don't actually work with what's going on up in the headspace around food or around our bodies or anything like that. Very similar, a lot of similarities between food and money um, in that way. And as women running businesses, again, because we're connected highly to our own emotions, I think it's important for us to understand where we stand with our relationship to money. And that's why I like to call it a relationship because it's something we're working with daily, you know, in our businesses, out in the world, with our families is this idea of money and in all the ways and spending it and saving it, investing it and giving it and making it. It's part of our lives in a big way. Why not make it one of the better relationships we have? Sure. And that's why we get to explore it. And that's what I do with my clients. And 
don't get me wrong, I still love strategy. And that's like I said, the 20 kind of the 20%. But once we get people unwinding any shame or embarrassment about mistakes they've made with money, debt they have, um, undercharging, all the things that kind of show up in a business. Once we can lay that out on the table and somebody has been witnessed in that with no judgment. And that's what I, one of the big pieces of what I offer is having that person that just says, yeah, let me know what, what happened? What do we got? Once you're witnessed in that and free of that, think about all the energy that gets freed up to actually go after what you want yeah, and, and, and get what you want quicker. Yeah. And in our case, in businesses, it's mainly like revenue, more, more income, more money. Yeah. I, it's the, the energy piece is interesting. Cause I always feel like I always say that energy is our number one resource. And yeah. so if you're protecting that and freeing it up, yeah, it is able to, it's like a big chunk of you. That's just sort of like bound up Yeah, that, and you, you, your listeners, you work with the body. I would imagine you even, you know, either feel it in yourself, but you probably see it in others too, with the bound up energy and bodies and fit in their physicality that once it's released so much more, there's so much more to be received. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Big piece that we talk about too, is receptivity is being able to receive. So Christine, your book. Yes. Be your queen of the money. Yeah. Can you share more about this? Yeah. Be the Queen of Your Money is a book for women, regardless having a business, not having a business. It's just about a relationship with money and really approachable ways to work through our money stories so that we can free ourselves up to go after what we want. And it started out as a fiction book, actually. It's it's it ends, it's ending up. It's a part fiction, part part, um, nonfiction book. And the fiction part is around three phases of a woman's life, three stages of a woman's life. So there's the kind of the middle age, if you will, woman, which would be me right now, probably you, Allie, like just that kind of middle stage area of woman. And then there's, which imparts sort of like what's going on, like the reality of things. This is what's happening. This is what I'm doing. I'm growing my business, like being all in that. And then there's the younger self that sees money from a different perspective, probably, you know, in lots of different ways. But in the book, it the story goes around a young Kate. Her name is Kate. And she, or Katie, she imparts sort of a playfulness with money. She imparts spontaneity with money. She, she reminds the middle self that it's okay to have fun with money Mm -hmm. because there was, I remember the first time I got found 20 bucks on the floor when I was like 10 or something like that, go on the way to school. And I was like, I got 20 bucks. It was like ice cream for everyone at the ice cream truck, like (laughs) that kind of energy. And I want to, with all due respect to everyone's growing up, like that might not have been the case for everyone, but in all of us, we have an inner child that does have a playfulness to it, even if it's been lost for many, for many re- different reasons. So it's that the middle stage, the younger stage, and then there's the older, wiser woman part of us and who looks at money through the eyes of wisdom and trust 
and simplicity and clarity. And what the book allows us to do is look through the lens of those three stages to say, what do I need now? Do I need the realist of today? Do I need the playfulness of my youth to do something with money like travel or do something that I've been holding back on? Or do I need that trust? Do I need to pull from that trust of our older, wiser self that knows that I'll be taken care of, that I'm safe? Be the queen of your money is about empowering yourself around money. Because once you do that, I think money shows us our greatest fears. It's all about security. It's all about safety being taken taken away from us. If we can start to understand where those fears came from, why they're here, how to work with them in a different way, like the world is your effing oyster then. <laughs> like you rock, you, you rock your business. You rock how you operate with money. You're not apologizing for charging more. If you really want to do that, you really stand in your own value. Yeah. And at the same time, we, the only way through is through. I don't know how that saying goes. It's not, you know, not walking around the whole money scene. You, you almost have to walk through. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a frontier for many people in their business, men and women to look at their money stuff and, and say, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to clear it up so that I can move forward with it with more potency, with more power and perhaps more joy. Yeah. Well, and going back to that quiz, one of the questions you have on the quiz is regarding telling your price for, for yeah. what you offer and, yeah. and the emotions behind after, after you state your price, like what are the motion, emotions that you feel after you state, state your price? And I think about different periods where I've raised my rates and I feel kind of self-conscious about what my new rates are and how terrible that feels to be in a place where you don't feel confident sharing yeah. your rates. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. just the difference of having worked through it and having felt yeah. more, and the energy again that goes into it that. Is, it's an energy and just consider, you, you know, at that time and for anyone who's in that place right now, who's listening, the person receiving that communication is feeling that too. What, whatever resistance or lack of resistance. Yeah, like you your, your consumer, your client, however you want to think about it is sort of like, they don't know. It's not like they could put their finger on it, but they're like, mm, something's like in their subconscious mind, something's up with it. Like yeah. where they're not feeling your confidence. So why would they buy from you? That that's not, may not be totally the case, but that could happen of, yeah. she's not really sure of her rates. And of course they're not saying that maybe specifically, like it's not that they can put their finger on it as much as just like something's a little wonky here. It just feels off. It, yeah. It feels off. Yeah. And so that's an energy connection between you and your client of when you can stay aligned in your and own the rate that you want to offer and know that you're providing amazing value to the person in front of you, they want to pay you. Yeah. They want to pay you the amount that you say, I know how that is for, fortunately, we have so many amazing people in our community that you know, they don't take health insurance in different ways, whether it's chiropractic work or it's osteopathy or something like that. There's many healers that have gone to in, in, in my town. And I, when they state their rate and it's matter of fact, it's a business, I get it. 
I'm like, oh, I'm happy to pay you. Like, I want to pay you versus going to, you know, someone who's like, eh, well, this time it's this much. And then maybe next time it'll be this much. I'm like, it's like I start to feel bad for them. Like, well, I it's like an instill confidence in the work that they offer either. No, exactly. And I always think it's an interesting conversation to have about charging a premium amount as well, like charging more than your competitors. Because yeah. the perception that you are better. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. that's in the mind of the consumer. Like that's something yeah. to kind of think about, I think, because yeah. there's some truth around that. And, and although it seems scary, I think at first for a lot of people, you know, it can really serve us. Yeah. And I think it's good to acknowledge this. It's scary. It can be sure. scary to raise your rates. And when we raise our rates, it's not just for us. It's think about the result of the human in front of you that feels the confidence probably will get a better result out of it because they, they carry the value of it more so than something that's lesser expensive or however you want to put it. I just think of when I have, um, you know, I bought, I bought a pair of cowboy boots years ago that were suede. They were, I think they were $500, like super duper expensive for me at the time. And I, of course, put them in the bag every time I've uh-huh. done with them. Like yeah. they're in a special part of the closet, you know, <laughs> versus my like $50 cowboy boots that I just bought. They're like junked in the back of the closet, you know, there's a whole bunch of crap on top of it, stuff yeah. like that. So similarly, yeah. we get to do that with our pricing. And one of the things that I see is that I think it is good to have comparison, like not comparisonitis as much as just can see what's go- the market can, su- like the demand can hold with regards to pricing and actually be on the higher side of things because there's always someone who will buy the, the best thing. Yeah. There's, and there's probably many, you know, in whatever community you're, there's always someone who's going to want to buy the best thing. And you might have different price points you know, our, our people here, even myself, like different price points for different people, you know, or not different people, but different price, you know, maybe it's like this for this and this is that and not to get too confusing with it, but just, you know, you don't end, you might not be the thing for everyone. That's the other part. You know, you might not be the provider or the person that provides that type of service. And they, there's another person in, in your community that offers that. So there's that too. Yeah. Another thing that I like to think about too, when it comes to pricing, we're kind of getting off on a little bit of a tangent here with pricing. But one thing that I think about is like, when you're charging what you should be charging, what you need to be charging, it leaves more room to work on, you know, that pro bono client that like just really pulls at your heartstrings because you have, you have more time and energy to, to give in a really fulfilling way, as opposed to when you're like trying to give everyone a little bit of yourself. Yeah. And you can't. I mean, you guys know you need to be resourced for you to do an amazing job for your clients and not just physically resourced, financially resourced, Yep. not just emotionally, but mentally resourced, like all the ways Yeah. for you to show up a hundred percent for your people. And why, you know, why did you go into the business? So that's just an example of like the mindset behind the, well, what's the number and what are they charging? Right. That's the strategy. And so don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not a bad thing. We want to look at that, but we also look at the story under the story of 
you know, what's going on? Do I do this all the time? And am I feeling resourced? And if we're not feeling resourced, no one's feeling resourced. Yeah. Right. If, you know, that's sort of like if mama not happy at nobody's happy. Kind yeah. of thing. We can't, we can't pour from an empty cup. Like we're 100%. giving. A hundred percent. So yeah, I hope the book allows women to enter into a conversation around money that feels not intimidating. Okay. So I was just going to ask you, like, what is it that you really are hoping women can women and, you know, if there's men as yeah. well, to read your book, what is it that you're really hoping that they walk away with? So, yeah, I mean, you can tell in our conversation, I, one of my top values is fun and I want to start to open up this conversation for women in a way that's lighter than it's ever been. And from a place of, it can be fun. It can be light. It can be, it can be intentional too. It can be, it has its moments of seriousness for many reasons, but it's, it's opening the conversation where it's accessible. It's we, I worked in the financial services industry for 10 years and almost by design, it feels like it it's built to be contrived. It's built to be complicated. It's built to be, give me your money. I'll do the thing with it. And it robs us of our own power to work with our money on ourselves. Now that's on the investing side, but we get to do that here in spending. And like I said, over the years, I mean, it was only in 1974, which actually feels like a long time ago because I was born in 1974, but at the same time, doesn't feel like that long ago. It was all the first year that women could get a credit card on their own without their husband signing. Isn't, for isn't it. that amazing? I, I find that so amazing. I know. So we've, we're just kind of getting into it. And again, 48 years later, like we're just getting into it. But when we hand over our power about money to anything, to fear, to someone else, to a partner, to whomever, or our, whomever, our financial advisor, we rob the ability for us to step into our own confidence. Now, I'm not saying become a money expert or become a financial advisor yourself or, or like, but take some ownership because you're going to feel so much more uh, free, yeah. really, at the end of the day, right? And one of many, many people, based a lot of times when starting a business is about financial freedom. Like, how can I make create financial freedom from my own business? Financial freedom really has a lot to do with our own emotional freedom around money. So I hope the book allows people to get into it in an accessible way that doesn't feel like, oh gosh, here's another person telling me about money. It's more introspective and had, it's good. And I hope the fiction part is fun too, because that just tells a story about, it's like a fable yeah. in the middle of the book. Yeah. Which sometimes we learn the best from those, don't we? Yeah. 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 I would imagine with you and your son, like, you know, reading books and stuff like that, the things that they teach in the, in the stories, right? Oh, I always, I always laugh when I'm reading children's stories to my books. I'm like, oh, this is very applicable to me. <laughs> yes. Um, so how can people get your book? Yeah. So I am, uh, have a website up where they can go. It's, uh, my website's Christine, C-H-R-A-S-T-I-N-E, um, M as in money Walsh.com, W-A-L-S-H.com. And then backslash money queen book. That's it. And it'll be on Amazon. Uh, so you can look it up that way through Christine Walsh. 
uh, yeah, we're really excited to get it out. I already have another book in the works. So it's, it's, they start, they're like kids, I think. You just, yeah. have, you know, you have one, then you have another. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and at the time, so Christine and I are recording this pre-book release, but by the time that this is actually released and you guys are listening to this, the book's out there. So you guys can can go and purchase the book right now if you're interested. Um, and I just, I'm curious, Christine, is that M, is that actually for money or is that your middle initial? <laughs> My middle name is Marie. <laughs> it's not money. <laughs> no, I didn't. My mom didn't like that one. So yeah, no, it's Marie, and it just happened to all work out in the okay. end. So. Okay. I thought that was that was a that was a funny reference. <laughs> makes, makes it memorable, right? Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to share with our listeners, but I'm I'm just so I I love what you bring to the table. I love that you're. I've been introduced to you and that you're in my world. And, um, and I just, I can't wait for other people to get to know you as well. And just the potency of what it is that you teach. And yeah, well, thank you for having me. Thank you for the recognizing the importance of this work in our businesses as women growing businesses to understand our relationship with money and bring that to your stage here. Really, if there's one thing that I can share, it's for women to take back their ownership of their finances. And it could be the smallest way of just opening up a savings account and putting some money into that every month or every week or whatever it is. It's really, you know, ask questions. Don't be afraid like I was back when, when I was like, I don't know what to ask or who to talk to or anything like really know that there's people out there. There's people, I think we're more alike than we are different in this money conversation. And if you have a trusted friend or a business bestie or someone that you can start to say, Hey, you know, I want to just learn a little bit more about money. You know, would do you want to do that? You know, how can we do that? You know, like find a partner to do it with is kind of what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Find a little money buddy, money buddy. And have these conversations because what it does is it opens it up and it brings the conversation to light and all of the crap that might be hiding underneath like embarrassment, money, shame stories or anything like that starts to dissipate because we brought it to the light. So that's my, that's my invitation to the listeners. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Well, thanks again. And um, yeah, can't wait to check out this book. I'm super excited. Thank you so much for listening. And please reach out to us if you have any questions or topics you would like covered. We love suggestions. Find us at www.alignwiththemassagebusinessmama.com. Also, we wouldn't hate it if you were inclined to share or review our episode. Until next time, stay healthy, massage therapists.